You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the DIY Sportsman Podcast with your hosts Garrett Prawl and Boudreaux Boswell. Thanks for listening in. You know, it seems like just about every year, once mid-October rolls around, people start getting excited for the rut and asking the same questions. Will it be an early rut? Will it be a late rut? When should I take my time off? When are the red moon days? Have you started seeing any rut activity? People start looking up the rut forecast in magazines or online to see what days they need to be in the stand. And really, the timing of the rut is very simple when we take a scientific look at it. There can absolutely be some variance from the forecasted best days or averages based on the genes that are propagated within your specific herd. And in this podcast, Boswell and I discuss some strategies that you can use to build a scientific estimate of the actual breeding dates of your local deer, and just as importantly, how to use that information to make your rut hunting strategies more successful. We also discuss a few of the very popular myths regarding rut timing. A lot of people will tend to base the timing of the rut on their own observations rather than looking at the big picture. And I know that you probably have a lot of experience, you know, from real world studies that you've read or performed that you're able to have a little bit better understanding of what the rut timing actually looks like. So if you want to just, I guess, start off by giving a basic overview of what biology tells us about rut timing. Yeah. One of the, there's, I mean, it's a major misconception in a lot of places that you know, everybody says the rut is basically the first, you know, week of November, the second week in November. And, you know, in the Midwest, that's kind of where the, the peak of the bell curve comes in is I think it's the last study I read was maybe like the 14th or 16th of November is when the peak of the bell curve is. So for a lot of places, that's true, but you see a lot of things in, on social media and people hunting where, you know, they may be in somewhere like you, northern Minnesota or Michigan, and, you know, they're hunting that same time frame, you know, expecting to catch the peak rut, as well as you see people in, you know, central Arkansas that are in Tennessee, even for some of that matter, that are hunting that same time frame expecting to hit the peak of the rut, when in all reality that rut has a drastic vary from basically north to south. And there's the reason behind that is, the rut is dictated by nothing other than uh, photo period. So that is the amount of daylight in a day. So there is a triggering point in there for does when that 
photo period reaches a certain time that triggers them to basically come into cycle. So if somebody in northern Minnesota, that photo period is going to hit drastically sooner than somebody in central Arkansas or Oklahoma. So there's a lot of misconceptions about, you know, weather dictates rut, uh, moon phase dictates rut. You know, none of that's been proven to dictate rut whatsoever. The one thing that has been has been photo period. And, of course, we're talking about, when we talk about rut, we're talking about breeding. We're not necessarily talking about movement that you'll see on stand, which I think is where a lot of the misconceptions start to come in is guys associating what they see on stand with what is actually happening that they can't see. Yeah, exactly. There, Everybody correlates you know, the rut with deer movement. Cause that's obviously when most people want to be out there in all reality, that's probably not necessarily, it's mostly pre-rut is when a lot of that's going to occur. Um, some of it will occur into the rut because typically, you know, once a buck is with a doe that's in heat, he may stay with her for up to three days, um, on that particular doe. You know, sometimes they may stay with them as little as 48 hours, um, or 24 hours even. So when we, when we look at that, latitude gradient within there the reason why there's such a difference in when you get to the southern part of the united states the ruts may be longer or the period where the breeding season per se is longer and a lot of it has to do with the biology of uh, when that doe needs to be bred in order to have the highest fawn survival rates so for example again if we look back up in the north um, up on the border it's real critical for that doe to be bred at the right time because when she has that fawn is critical. If she has it too soon, there, you know, may still get a late winter storm or something like that that can kill that fawn off. If she comes in too late and is bred too late, then her fawn will be born late. So then that fawn may not have enough time to build up uh, the things it would need. So fat going into winter. Um, the deer may not be healthy enough to go into its first winter and survive. That's why a lot of places, the winter can really dictate your fawn survival rate. And so down south where the weather's, you know, a lot less critical, there's a little bit, a bigger margin of error for when that fawn can be born and still survive. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, she could drop a fawn as early as March. And for the most places in the south, that's perfectly suitable time for a fawn to be able to develop. Um, and she may be able to drop a fawn as late as, you know, say late July, early August, um, and still be able for that fawn to survive going into that winter. Again, the winters aren't as harsh, so that fawn doesn't necessarily need as much fat on it, you know, kidney fat, things like this to um, make it through the winter. And you had mentioned the bell curve, and I think sometimes we take for granted that um, everybody knows, I mean, it's a pretty common term that people talk about when they talk about rut timing. I don't know if everybody necessarily knows what a bell curve is. A bell curve is a graphical way of showing a normal statistical distribution. When you look at a large amount of data, individually, you might have numbers or values that are all over the map. But when you look at all those values as a whole, you'll begin to see an average. And most of the values will show up quite close to the average. There will still be numbers that are far from the average, but they're much less common. An example could be the height of a male person. You have some guys that are under five foot tall, some that are over seven foot tall and everywhere in between. But when you graph out everybody's height, you see that the average is somewhere around five foot 10 or whatever it is. Most guys will be fairly close to that height. And if you were to pick out a guy at random, the odds are pretty good. He'd be within an inch or so of five foot 10. 
the odds would be worse to pick somebody out at random that was either under five foot three or over six foot six, but it wouldn't be that unheard of. The odds of picking out somebody at random who's under four foot ten or over seven foot two would be really bad, but it's still statistically possible. And when we apply this idea to rut timing, we're basically saying that you have an average date when you look at a ton of data all at once. But when you look at individual deer, you'll see a variance from that average. The further away you get from the average, the less likely it becomes, but it could still happen. Yeah, one of the one of the big things you see with that is you see somebody maybe mid-October that sees a, a buck pushing a doe around. And they'll say, well, isn't it a little early for that? And it, really, it's not. I mean, that doe could very easily be in heat uh, for that particular doe. It's in a general population scale. Yes, it may be a little bit early. But for that particular doe, she may be in heat. So that's kind of the thing you've got to look at is when that peak is for your area. And that can vary drastically um, from area to area and from region to region, you know, especially on that north-south line, it can really change. And so we can look at this on a deer by deer basis. We can look at this on a population basis. We can look at this on a regional basis or a latitude basis, like you were saying. How much variation is there typically between, you know, say a regional basis where you might look at a state or even a portion of a state like, you know, central Iowa, that latitude, and you just look at that one particular location and then you kind of break it apart even further within just that one location. I mean, how much variance could you get? And is that variance kind of broken up by pocket by pocket, you know, section of land by section of land, deer by deer? Could you have one deer that is going into heat in mid-October and that same deer will go into heat mid-October every year until it dies and every deer in that particular population around you know like a certain town might have an early rut or is it really just all over the map so the best way to look at this is we'll start at the individual deer level and then we'll kind of work up from there so again the rut is all dictated by the does it has nothing to do with the bucks Uh, when that doe comes in heat then that's when that buck is up and moving so a doe typically will come in estrus about you know, plus or minus five to seven days each year. So if she comes in October 